Thanks, Alyssa. Good morning. How are you going? Good. Great. Great to see so many of you here this morning. My name's Matt. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, out with the old, in with the new. Sounds like what shops might be doing at the moment with old stock being in the beginning of the year. Sounds like um, maybe what you're striving and thinking to do, hoping to do with your New Year's resolutions, your new mindset, your new attitude, out with the old physical regime, in with the new one. Also sounds like what we've been up to here at St. Stephen's, doesn't it? With a new minister. <laughs> out with the old, in with the new. It's also actually a really good description of what Jesus came to do. It's a really good answer for why Jesus came out with the old and in with the new with everything. I want you to keep that in the back of your head. Last week, uh, we started a new series in the Gospel of Mark, this little biography of Jesus that we just read together a little bit of. And we're calling it Meet Jesus because that's what Mark's here to do. He wants to introduce us to Jesus, the world to Jesus. And last week, we looked at who Jesus was, who Jesus is. And Prash explained Jesus was the Son of God, and that that's good news for us, something to be thankful for. Uh, this week, I want to drill a little bit further into that. We want to look at why Jesus came. Why is it good news that Jesus came? What is there to be thankful for? And Mark, in his gospel, will explore that idea, why Jesus came. Um, just to show you that that's true, have a look at Mark chapter 1, verse 15. It's not the passage that was just read out to us, but it's on the beginning, that first page there, Mark 15. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. Mark's going to flesh out what his good news is, what Jesus' good news is, by describing it as the kingdom of God coming. And what I want you to see today is the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is, has come. Uh, and it can only come because the king has come. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, that's because the kingdom is here because the king has arrived. And that's Jesus himself. And what we're going to see today is Jesus. And Mark wants to show us his power as a king. That Jesus has power. And we're going to see that his power shows us who he is. His power shows us shows us that Jesus is the king. His power shows us why, he's, why he came out with the old and with the new. His power shows us as well what Jesus is The Bible reading today is, like is on page 1002. So firstly, his power shows us who Brown. he is. Bibles his power shows us that seats. Jesus is a king. I'm sure you noticed in that passage so that Alyssa one, read to us from verse uh, that Jesus has extraordinary power. Did you see that? With a word, he casts out a demon. They went to Capernaum. And when the With Sabbath came, hand, Jesus went into the synagogue and Simon, began to teach. His disciples, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught he also them has a kind as one of power who had authority, teaching. not just not That's as really the teachers of the law. When he just teaches then, about God, a man in their synagogue a kind who was possessed by an impure spirit like cried out, What do you want with me? With us, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? Really I know who I you are, the Holy One of God. Came here today, cast out a Be demon. quiet, said Jesus somebody sternly. Came here and come out of him. Somebody by touch, we'd say, the impure spirit shook like the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Teaching. 
The people were also we'll amazed that they asked the page, each other, verse what 21 is this? To 22. A new teaching? They went to and with authority? And when the Sabbath he came, even gives Jesus orders went to impure spirits and they obeyed him. The people were amazed News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Not as, the teachers of the as soon as they left the synagogue, it's the Sabbath. they went with James this and John the to the house the of Simon go to and Andrew. They go to the synagogue. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, God, and they immediately told Jesus word, about her. Unpacked, so he went to her, so took her hand, and helped her up. The fever As left God's her, people. and she began to wait and on typically, them. Typically, the experts would get that up. That evening after sunset, and much like their the people successes, brought to Jesus included, not all the sick and, and demon-possessed. But they would do their the best. The whole town gathered at the door to help people understand. And Jesus healed many God's who had various living, diseases. So that people can live God's way. He also and drove out many demons, but he would not let the, the demons speak quoting because the they knew who he was. We do that by quoting the Old Testament. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. And all left we're told the house is that the people and were went off to a solitary place where he prayed. As one who had Simon and his Not companions went to look for him. And when they found him, What's he doing? they exclaimed, we know what Everyone Jesus is looking for you. Said here in Jesus Gospel, replied, we can get a pretty good Let idea us go somewhere else Gospels, to the nearby villages so I can preach there Jesus also. Have said, and that is why I have come. Have said it. So he travelled throughout Galilee, to me as preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of the Lord is that Jesus preaches the Beatitudes. Of course, that was on a mountain, somewhere different, but Jesus teaches the Beatitudes. You might know them. It's as if it's this moment where Jesus gets up in front of a crowd and he teaches seemingly making up his own wisdom, making up his own truth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart they will see God. He's not quoting anyone. He isn't dependent on another person for his authority when it comes to teaching about God and the world. And again and again in the Beatitudes, he just says, truly, I tell you, I can't do that this morning. All right, by the way, if I say that, stop me. Jesus just says, truly, I tell you. So much to say that he has to tell the people, don't think I've come to abolish the Old Testament. It's not like that's unimportant. Actually, I've come to fulfill it. Jesus is teaching about God and the world like he's the author, like he's the one writing it. And that's Mark's first claim here about Jesus and about him being a king, about what that means for us, about what Jesus' authority as a king means. It means that he's the author of life. It means he is the authority on life, on God and how we live in his world. That's what it means for Jesus to be a king. He's God himself. And he's king over you and I and how we live. He's the authority on it because Jesus is the author of it. He's the author of life. That's interesting, I think, for you and I to think about today. I was in a, having a chat with somebody recently and who was struggling to think about how they should live. They were doing stuff that was destroying their life, basically, or wasn't helping. And I was reminded of a passage from Jesus' brother, who I think maybe had some insight into what it meant that Jesus is the authority on life. 
And he says, James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I wonder whether James had some experience with that. But it, it has struck me over the last couple of years how post-modernity and some of the ideas that come with that have failed us, have failed generations X, Y, and Z. I can speak to those ones because I can see them. It's probably failed generations before that, but I wouldn't know because I wasn't there. But the idea that there is no absolute truth in the world except for what an individual deems to be true for themselves, which is actually an ancient idea, has failed us. And anecdotally, I think we can see that in the world around us. You know, with the rise in the interest of groups like the School of Life, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, even with the rise of our readiness and willingness for infotainment. You know, we want podcasts, we want YouTube, we want to, how do we do life? Because we want wisdom on life. We need wisdom on life because we know how to screw up our lives pretty easily and pretty readily and pretty quickly and pretty well. And the Bible's actually saying there is an order to life. There is order in the chaos, there is wisdom in the madness, and it's Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus does more than just be the authority on life. He offers us his wisdom. And in fact, the brother of Jesus would tell us this morning, if any of you lack wisdom, he should go to God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Jesus isn't a king, the authority who would add insult to injury. He's there willing and ready to give you wisdom on life. He's a good king and he offers it to you. And so his power shows us that he's a king. Jesus teaches with authority. He shows us that he's the king over all of life. He shows us who he is. His power also shows us why he came. His power shows us why he came, and that is, like I mentioned, Mark chapter 1, to bring his kingdom. Jesus came to bring his kingdom, and his power shows us what his kingdom is going to look like in our world. We've got three really interesting miracles here. A demon exercised, I wonder what you're thinking about that, the healing of Simon's mother-in-law, and then that whole evening where a whole town gathers at Jesus' front door. When we first read them, I don't know about you, but to me they seem seemingly random, interesting, but a little bit random, a little bit disconnected. Maybe they're just exactly what happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But we need to remember when we come to Mark's Gospel, Mark's Gospel is pretty short, He's got a point. He wants us to meet Jesus. Anything in this gospel is critical to understanding who Jesus is and why he came. And more importantly, every miracle in the gospel actually has a purpose. Someone once said, miracles are not just a demonstration of God's power. They're a revelation of God's purpose. Every miracle in, in the gospels has a purpose. They tell us something about what God is here to do. The first miracle, let's have a look at it quickly, verse 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed. They asked one another, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Now, to 
us this morning, a 21st century audience, I imagine most of us are thinking, this is strange. Mark's confused. Probably everybody in the room's confused. Uh, the diagnosis is wrong. There's no such thing as demons, right? It's probably a mental illness, maybe a psychosis, maybe a bad reaction to drugs. And I imagine you might be thinking, if, if I want to be a Christian, if I want to believe what some of these people in this room believe, or if I am a Christian, am I going to have to believe in demons? That's a good question. Let me just say two things really quickly about that before moving on. I think if you can come to a place of believing in a God, you can probably fit in there the idea of an evil spirit. Let me just put that out there. The second thing is that I think Mark is pretty clear in that he's not talking about an illness. At least that's not what he intends to say. No one with an evil spirit in the Bible is ever healed. Rather, an evil spirit is cast out. And Mark's pretty clear he's not using medical terms as well. Have a notice, it's interesting in, in here that he uses the term impure or evil or unclean. And that's because that's the language, it's religious language, it's spiritual language. It's actually language that comes from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when that language is used, it's used of something that has rejected God's rule. That's what this spirit is. It's a spirit that has rejected God's rule. And demons in the Bible seem to be neither human nor divine, but they're always hostile to God and hostile uh, to humanity. They're seeking the same for humanity. And so this man has a spiritual problem. He's under the influence of a spirit that doesn't want God and doesn't want God's good things for this man. One commentator pointed out, and I think it's helpful, is that he said the phrase, you know, possessed by an evil or unclean spirit is kind of a macabre counterpart to the other phrase that the Bible has for Christians who live in God's spirit, in the power of God's spirit. This is the opposite of that. And Jesus, with a word, pretty much just saying, shut up, get out, delivers this man from his evil oppressor. Interesting there just to note as well how Mark describes this event, that Jesus just speaks and this evil spirit is cast out. This will happen again and again in Mark's gospel. Jesus speaks and a storm is silenced. Jesus speaks and a little girl is raised from the dead. It kind of reminds us of Genesis 1, where God, creating the world, drawing order out of chaos, speaks. It's as if Jesus is renewing creation, bringing order out of chaos. And Jesus is showing us, I think, in this little skirmish where he has the victory, there really is no battle, Jesus speaks, the evil spirit goes, He's showing us in this little battle that Jesus has the power to win the war. In this small and personal victory over an evil spirit, Mark's pointing to the fact that Jesus and God's kingdom will win the war against all evil in our world. It might sound a little bit far-fetched to you, but the battle of good and evil is, it, is really at the heart of every good story, isn't it? Anyone seen Star Wars? Star Wars. 
The battle of good and evil is at the heart of what we want, what we care about, what we need. And the Bible has this big worldview. There isn't just personal evil, we'd all agree with that. There isn't just structural evil, I think some of us would agree with that, but maybe there's an evil behind all of that evil, a spiritual evil, that to one level or another, everything is affected by. I caught up with a, a couple who were in, are interested in doing baptism, baptizing their child at the church, caught up, had a coffee, great conversation. We talked for a little while about what baptism means. Uh, got to a point where someone said, oh, I've always had this question, which is, why would I baptize a child if the child's innocent, if they've never done anything wrong? You know, I thought that is a, such a great question. Um, and I asked them about, they had an older child as well, who might have been three or four years of age, and I said, has your eldest child ever lied? They said, oh, of course, all the time. You know. And uh, I said, which one of you taught your child to do that? They looked at each other. <laughs> Neither of us, you know. And I said, no, you're probably right. It's okay. Children lie. And I said, we're born into a world that is marred by evil. That evil permeates everyone and everything. And even a, an innocent child can't escape that. We're, evil has somehow pervaded all of our world. And for the world to be a better place, we need rescuing from it. You and I were created to be men and women made in the image of God, living in God's kingdom under God's good rule empowered by God's Spirit. But the story goes that this world that we currently live in is under the curse of sin, in need of rescue from evil, and Jesus, with His power, shows that He came to rid the world of it. And this is a sign of what's to come. Remember miracles. Always have a purpose. This is a sign of what's to come. The, if the first miracle there about the removal of a demon uh, could be classed as spiritual and de dealing with a moral problem in the world, evil, the second one is physical and, and shows us, as Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, shows us that de Jesus has the power to deal with sickness and suffering. Verses 29 to 30, I, I won't read it there for time, but we've read it. We don't know what her illness was. It's likely, scholars, the experts point out that her fever was probably eventually going to lead to death. And so Jesus has spared this woman from not only perhaps a few days in bed, but he's spared her life. And the family, the grief of her life lost. And the story kind of makes us think, you know, why doesn't Jesus just go everywhere and heal everyone? And indeed, that's kind of what happens. The whole town come out to him and he heals various diseases. In other words, Christ's power is over everyone and everything. His kingdom doesn't stop. But remember, miracles are a demonstration not just of God's power, but of His purpose. And with this healing, Jesus is showing us what God's kingdom is like. The, God's kingdom is not one of destruction. It doesn't come to destroy, but Jesus comes to bring life. And Mark is showing us that just like God's kingdom will restore the world spiritually, will take every evil away from the world, God will restore it physically. There'll be no more disease, decay, or death. No more pain or grief or loss that comes with that. 
And so Jesus' power in these miracles shows us why he came. He came to bring God's kingdom, a kingdom free of evil and suffering. But finally, his power shows us what he's worth. His power shows us what Jesus is like as a king. It was Plato who said, the measure of a man is what he does with his power. The measure of a man is what he does with his power. It's interesting to me that we're looking at this passage on Australia Day because it's about power and authority. And Australia Day obviously marks the arrival of the first fleet of British ships into Port Jackson, of the raising of a a flag, Great Britain's flag, in Sydney Cove. And the, the meaning and significance of Australia Day is obviously conflicted because it's about power. And we all know that often today is called Invasion Day or it's called a day of national mourning. And we're conflicted about it because it's about the use of power. A measure of a man is what he does with his power. And this is also exactly, you turn on the news, it's exactly what the impeachment is about. It's exactly what the Harvey Weinstein case is about. It's about a person's use of power, how somebody uses power. And we're asking the question, can these men be trusted with power? Are they worthy of leadership? Are they worthy of being followed? Can we trust them? Are they good? Will they lead us where we want to go? Some of us use power for good. Some of us use power for evil. Ultimately, I think, we've all got power. Ultimately, I think we'd all use it for ourselves, whether we're using it for good or for evil. Have a look at this last little passage here and what the disciples say to Jesus. Jesus has done these great miracles. The whole town has come out in the evening. The next morning, uh, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Have a look at what Jesus does. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to nearby villages, so I can preach there also, for that is why I have come. I imagine, actually I don't have to imagine how you would respond if somebody came up to you and said, everyone is looking for you, because I know how I would respond. In that moment, I would feel important and significant. I would love it. I would go to the crowd and I would make the most of it. But Jesus is different. If I had 1% of Jesus' power, influence, authority, fame, I would use it for me. But Jesus is different. He doesn't use his power for himself. Not once, not ever. He's released a possessed man from evil. He's healed a sick woman from her fever. He's healed a whole town of their infirmities. And he's not here for self-indulgence. He's here 
to give his power to others. He's not here for, to be power hungry. He's here to give his power away. He's not here for himself. He's here to be a sacrifice. He isn't a king who pillages and plunders. He's a good king who rescues and saves. You may have noticed in those passages, Jesus doesn't let the demons speak about him. He's hiding his identity because he, he doesn't want people to misunderstand his power. He doesn't want people to misunderstand how he's going to use his power. He wants people to properly understand how power is properly used, how it's used in God's kingdom. He wants people to know what he's worth. He wants people to know that he can be trusted because he isn't someone who will misuse or abuse power. He's, he's a king that uses his power to serve. And in that, he's showing us that he's worthy to be followed. Jesus says later in Mark, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is a king with all the power in the world, but who gave up his power on the cross, ultimately, so that we might gain the power of his kingdom, life eternal with him in a new kingdom, a world without evil and without suffering. That's why Jesus came, to get rid of the old and to bring in the new. Let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, you are our king. You are in authority over the world and everything in it, over our lives. And so help us to surrender to you, even this morning. Help us to surrender our lives to you, to follow you in everything. Help us to see your kingdom, how good it is, and desire its coming. And help us to see how you use power. Help us to see that you are worthy of being followed. And help us also to recognize that that's an example for us, that as we serve others as you have served us, we can bring about your kingdom even today. Amen. Like me, you come on a Sunday, you hear God's word, and then the world just rushes past you for the next week. I just want to give you a moment to reflect uh, on what we've heard. There's a couple of ways you can do this. Um, you might want to use this time to pray. Uh, you might want to write down something that you feel the Lord has called you to do this week in response to who Jesus is, our great King who's come with power and humility to serve and sacrifice himself for us. Uh, and then after that, Sandra and the team will uh, call us to stand and sing in response. Thank you.